Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. We are continuing our family Bible studies in the Gospel of St. Luke. And today we are talking about family faith formation. And I have two sets of verses to read from Luke chapter 2 as we begin. The first, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, this is right after the birth of Jesus. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. And now the second set of verses, starting in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, and this was right after their visit to Jerusalem when Jesus was separated from Joseph and Mary. He's now a little bit older, about 12 years old. And it says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, to open our minds and hearts to behold wonderful things out of your word. Amen. Today we're going to talk about family faith formation and specifically what that's all about is how one generation can successfully pass on the faith to the next generation. And for the sake of illustration, I would like to use the image of a, a bridge. The bridge is where the faith crosses from the parents, from one generation, to the children, to the next generation. There was a Protestant theologian by the name of Francis Schaeffer who used the illustration of the ancient Roman bridges. They were built in the first century by the Romans, and they're really a construction marvel in that these bridges lasted for century after century after century until the 20th. And with the 20th century, you had these heavy 18-wheelers running across bridges that were nearly 2,000 years old. And with the weight of these modern vehicles, the ancient bridges, which had held up fine for century after century, started cracking. And then they were weakening to the point of collapse. And I think that's a very apt illustration for the question we have today, because we need to ask ourselves, are the current methods of faith formation successfully getting that faith across to Catholic children and youth so that it can withstand the pressures of the 20th and 21st centuries? And if you're honest and looking at this question, and I keep bringing this up because we can't do things as usual, just like the Roman bridges, they work fine for almost 2,000 years, but they didn't sustain the weight of the modern world. So in today's world, how about that faith bridge for conveying the faith from one generation to another? 
it's upwards now of 60% of Catholic youth at some point are falling away from the faith, either as late teens or perhaps during college or perhaps during young adulthood, but a 60% washout. That means the majority of Catholic youth aren't making it. And there's another statistic that's even more serious in many ways, and that is 80%, excuse me, 82% of Catholic youth and young adults don't believe in moral absolutes. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, let's say you gather your teenagers together in your parish or in your area and have a chastity seminar. Well, if 82% of those youth don't believe in moral absolutes, during your talks at the chastity seminar, you are talking to a brick wall because the moral absolutes are the foundation from which the moral life is built upon. And if the foundation has been washed out in over four-fifths of those youth, you've got to start over. So uh, now this might pinch somebody, but you know, the usual reply you get to a broadcast like this is, well, but we've always done it this way. Well, let's just imagine we were in the business world. If we were in the business world and those responsible, the leaders, even the heads of the, uh, of the corporation, if these were your results, 60 to 82% failure, you would be fired. Programs would be changed. They would find something that worked because you're going broke. And he might say, well, this isn't the business world. No, it isn't. But something more valuable than simply money is at stake, namely our children, our Catholic youth. Now, in past generations, parents may have successfully delegated the task of conveying the faith to their children. In other words, the bridge that they use were things like Catholic schools, youth groups, religious education programs, CCD. They, they allowed these different bridges to do the heavy lifting in faith formation. And, you know, say what you will about that. In today's world, the faith isn't sticking when these methods with these bridges for conveying the faith become primary. I'm not saying doing away with youth groups and CCD programs and Catholic schools. I'm not saying anything of the sort. But if they are primary, which generally they are, there's some great exceptions out there, but generally that is the primary vehicle. That's the main bridge that Catholic parents are depending on today to convey the faith. And if that's it, it's not holding. The modern world, the weight, even though the bridges have served well in the past, they're not holding up to the modern world. Pope Benedict XVI said this, in our highly secularized culture, it is contributing to a widespread failure to transmit the faith to the coming generation. A widespread failure. Okay, if you have a widespread failure, then you say, well, what can we do to change things from failure to success? And Pope Benedict called this crisis situation, quote, an educational emergency, unquote. Now, it's my observation that popes 
are generally kind of laid back, a little bit more than I am perhaps in this broadcast, and I'm kind of passionate about this subject. But when a pope says there's an educational emergency, that means you pull every fire alarm in every parish in the world. This is an educational emergency. Nothing is more important than getting the faith to the next generation. That's how the faith continues generation after generation. But what's the response? And again, there's some really good exceptions to this, but basically there's been a collective yawn. No, we can't just keep doing the same and expect a different outcome. And if you particularly have young children, hear me. You need to really heed these statistics because and we are very welcoming of those who have a prayer request for children that are straying. I prayed for straying children this morning before I began my work here at the Family Life Center. But we don't want to see them to stray in the first place. And I'm not talking about a little, you know, um, 36-month detour either. I'm talking about a real straying from the faith. We don't want to see that. We want to have a bridge that's very successful in passing on the faith and, and passing on the faith even in less ideal situations. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. What was going on? Well, first of all, Jesus was born in that first set of verses um, in a town that wasn't his hometown, it was his ancestor's hometown, Bethlehem, the city of David. But it was a foreign power that had conquered and regulated and told everybody what to do. It was a secular, idolatrous, pagan empire. Okay, that wasn't an ideal situation. But Jesus grew normally. I mean, we're going to read in the various gospels that, you know, isn't isn't this guy Joseph's son? Isn't this the carpenter's son? I can't tell you enough, and people don't really get this, how normal Jesus appeared growing up. And he grew up in stature. In other words, he physically grew, but he also grew in wisdom. He had that capability to grow in faith, and this wasn't a magic wand. God allowed his son to be nurtured by St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary in a pattern for all ages. And honestly, I'm a convert, and it's been a quarter of a century, but I'm still blown away that Catholics don't follow the Holy Family when it comes to their own children. If you get in a car and have to take your child somewhere for their primary religious formation, you're not doing what the Holy Family did. Now, I'm not saying don't take them someplace. I'm saying don't take them someplace for their primary religious formation because the Holy Family is the timeless method of family faith formation. This is what Joseph and Mary did with Jesus. Now, Jesus may have attended a synagogue to study the Torah. We don't have any uh, immediate record of this. Uh, and there were synagogue instructions for boys after they got to a certain age, but it wasn't primary. The primary faith formation was at home. The Jewish home was a place for faith formation. This is, this is the center of it. And this is why St. Luke tells us twice in chapter 2 that Jesus grew in wisdom as a result of being in his home at Nazareth. 
as a result of Joseph and Mary's homeschooling. And I'm not talking about the formal homeschooling and studying history and chemistry and learning how to read and write, that type of thing. I'm talking about religious formation. It was homeschooling. It wasn't going somewhere else for it, for the primary formation. Now, I can even tell you with great likelihood, not absolute certainty, but with great likelihood, exactly how they taught Jesus. And again, um, don't you think it's remarkable that God would send his son into the world rather than coming on stallions and gold chariots and lightning bolts and everything else? He came as a baby in a family because the family, according to St. John Paul II, is the future of both the church and the world. And, and they're giving us a pattern to be followed, not just to be admired and sing a few hymns about, but to actually follow. So, any case, this is what a Jewish family would do, and this is, this is what they would use for the spiritual faith formation of their children. And one of the things to increase in wisdom you would go to the parts of the Old Testament that are called wisdom literature, like the book of Proverbs. And just any guys listening, the heavy weight was on guys. Most of the Proverbs speaks about fathers instructing their children. Uh, It does speak about mothers. (laughs) It's not like they're off the hook. But today, that's kind of been reversed. You know, like mothers are expected to do the heavy lifting and dads maybe toss in a little bit. Uh Uh-uh. No. In the Holy Family, St. Joseph, how intimidating to live with the Blessed Virgin Mary, a a, a person graced unlike any other human being, and then having the Son of God in your midst. But St. Joseph stepped up to the plate, and here's what he used. Proverbs. And it would be like in chapter 4. Hear, O son, a father's instruction. You see, the Torah was put into practical life wisdom in the book of Proverbs, and it's personalized. There's two ways to have faith. Sit in a chair and hear some abstract religious concepts or have it personalized. So the point that you have a personal attachment to the faith and that these things aren't just notions, but they're a part of you because they come from your mother and your father. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Don't wash out. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments and live. In other words, again, don't stray. Verse 5 of Proverbs 4, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Get wisdom, get insight. That is what St. Joseph did with the child Jesus. And any Catholic family worth their salt is going to be following the example of the Holy Family and do just this. It's, It's not delegating the primary responsibility to someone else. 
It's father saying, listen, oh son. And how do you prevent the washout? How do you prevent the 60% plus washout? You do this because it, it's being conveyed from parent to child, not somebody outside of the family. Here's another one, Proverbs 4.20. My son, be attentive to my words. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them. You see, this is how you get the faith to stick and really stay in the heart of a young person when it's conveyed by a father or a mother. And if you, uh, for instance, um, are interested how a Jewish boy was trained in order to resist sexual immorality, Proverbs 5, it begins. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 are loaded with this instruction. It says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. And now, O sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. And then he goes on to warn about the loose woman. And what do we do today? I'm sorry, I'm going to step on a couple of toes. We bring in an attractive former model or beauty queen to give a chastity talk to kids. And and even though they may tell some funny jokes or use some great illustrations, they have no relationship with the young person hearing this. And so even if it's received then, what happens when the temptations out there, when the child is experiencing the temptations that this world is sure to uh, send their way? They need something deeper and more profound that comes from parent to child. And, you know, this wasn't just a Jewish thing, because here's a partial listing of Catholic saints who continued the Jewish pattern of using Proverbs and recommending Proverbs and using Proverbs with new converts. St. Augustine, St. Chrysostom, St. Ambrose, Venerable Bede, St. Clement of Alexandria, Pope St. Gregory the Great, St. Jerome, St. Athanasius, St. Basil the Great, and again, that's a partial listing of using Proverbs like Jewish parents would do. Now, again, I promise that mothers aren't excluded from this, but dad, you do the heavy lifting according to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and reject not your mother's teaching. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Okay. Verse 10, if sinners entice you, do not consent. We call that today peer pressure. How do you come overcome peer pressure with parent pressure, with a father's instruction and mother's teaching? Those are the things that hold you together. Now, if you really want something to drive uh, Christian parents absolutely nuts— it's when their children, you think you're all over the teen years and you're home free. All right, now it's time to choose a spouse. And do you know that Proverbs 31 is not a chapter written to uh, women how to be a virtuous wife? It's a queen mother in Proverbs 31 has taught his her son, who's a prince, on how to select a virtuous wife. And it's a mother's instruction. It says in the very beginning of the chapter, the words of Lemuel, king of Massa, which his mother taught him. 
What my son, what son of my womb, what son of my vows, give not your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. You see how personalized this is? And this is why we need modern Catholic replicas of the Holy Family. We need a really strong bridge living in the 21st century. And you can, you know, you and I are probably not going to change everything going on in our world and our culture, but here's what we can do. And this is the single most important catechetical insight that I have discovered over the last half century. It's very simple, but it's utterly, utterly profound. And it's, here it is. The strength of faith conveyed, and in today's world, you need a very strong faith conveyed, so you need a good bridge to get that across. The strength of faith conveyed is directly proportional to the strength of the relationship between the teacher and the student. You see, today, uh, a parent might worry about a particular textbook or a particular uh, CCD uh, instructor or you know, whatever situation, but these are all secondary things. And these are important questions. What school, what textbook, what teacher? These are important secondary questions. But the strength of faith conveyed is directly proportional to the strength of the relationship between the teacher and the student. It's not directly proportional to whatever textbook you use. And don't get me wrong, you want to use good faithful Orthodox textbooks, but the main point is the strength of the relationship between teacher and student. That is the bridge from which the faith is conveyed. And if it's a strong relationship, it'll be a strong faith conveyed. That's why parents have to be in the 21st century. You might have skated in the 1950s or other generations and such, but in the 21st century, Parents need to be the primary catechist of their children because they have a relationship that forms the only bridge that can hold up to the pressures of the 21st century. It's that, that important and that clear. St. John Paul II said in a apostolic exhortation, catechesis in our time, it's 40 years ago, this year. And mom and dad, listen to this, because there's a lot of years that haven't heard this yet. He says, family catechesis precedes, accompanies, and enriches all other forms of catechesis. Furthermore, in places where widespread unbelief or invasive secularism makes real religious growth practically impossible. Boy, if that's not our day. And here he comes with the home run. The church of the home remains the one place where children and young people can receive an authentic catechesis. Thus, there cannot be too great an effort on the part of Christian parents to prepare for this ministry of being their own children's catechists and to carry it out with tireless zeal. 
encouragement must also be given to the individuals or institutions that help parents perform their task. The service they are doing to catechesis is beyond price. So let me ask you a question. In your parish budget or your diocesan budget, uh, what's the ratio of what's spent for children for the secondary efforts of, of education versus what's put out in a budget for training parents to be the primary catechists of their children? I dare say you would have a ratio of about a thousand to one in many places. In other words, parish budget for children versus training parents to be the catechists of their children. In some places, it might even be 10,000 to one. And yet, St. John Paul II says the, the institutions or, or individuals that help parents perform the task of catechesis is beyond price. And you can even help parents prepare for this task. One of the things that I did uh, while I was a Protestant, before I became a father, um, I had the opportunity to teach Sunday school to kids of every single age from kindergarten right up through college. So I got to practice on other people's kids, just teasing. But this is a wonderful thing for a young man to do. Rather than him being frozen when he has his own kids and I don't know what to do, jump in and, and help out with a youth group or help out with uh, a CCD program or, or a confirmation retreat, something like that. And parents need to get the help for this. And I have uh, advocated the need for fatherhood conferences in distinction from very generic men's conferences because one of the things you'll be doing in a fatherhood conference is specifically training men in a very simple, easy to understand and implement way how they can catechize their own kids. And it's not as difficult as you might think. And the follow-up for that, and this is like a one-day training, uh, can be followed up with, guess what? Catholic Radio. It's the best catechetical tool that's come along <laughs> in 2,000 years in the Catholic faith. And simply listen to Catholic Radio, at least one way to work. And you can get your catechesis after you get your basic training in a fatherhood conference. Remember the words of St. John Paul II, the future of the world and of the church passes through the family. And your family is where the faith is nurtured. Your family and your relationship with your kids is the bridge from which the faith can be conveyed, yes, even in the 21st century. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 231 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.